Well, welcome to our Making History Parenting Podcast. My name is Chase Baker, and with me is Jennifer Akers. Yes, yeah, so today we have two special guests for you, and both are on staff at Rolling Hills Community Church, and they are incredible at what they do. We know that this is uh, this is an unusual way. This is the first time we're doing uh, this podcast in this way. It's a Zoom call, but uh, we're so thankful for technology to let us do this. Yeah. So with us today, we're going to have Kathy Kuhn, who is the Director of Counseling at Rolling Hills Community Church. And then we're also going to be joined by Nick Allen, who is our campus pastor at our Rolling Hills Nashville campus. That's right. Excited to have those guys. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to have a conversation about COVID-19. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, what it means for our families. How do we live in this day? And um, in, in our world, particularly as families and pa- parents are, we're walking through unprecedented times as we parent through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I expect f- for many of you, you're trying to balance family and work and feelings of uncertainty, daily questions of the news of the pandemic. I'm sure you're, you're, you might, you might be somebody who's glued to the news um, and all the while wanting to be intentional with our kids through this season. We are in parenting and it's such an important time in history. There are few events in our recent history that we have, have experienced this type of crisis. Now, while there's lots of topics that we can address today, we can, we can throw them all out there. We're just gonna focus on just a few things. Um, and this is, you know, I'm excited for this, Jennifer, because as a dad, you as a, as a mom, mm-hmm. I'm excited to have this conversation because we're all going through similar things. Absolutely. You know, since this is um, a podcast for our parents, we're really looking at how this is affecting the family right now. So we know that life, um, it just looks a lot different during this crisis. So routines are changing. Family rhythm has changed. Um, mm-hmm. Schedules have changed. You know, everything um, that was is now not here. So our, we have a completely new normal that we're trying to figure out as family. So, you know, if we just think about that for a mo- moment and think about all the things that aren't happening now, we don't have school, we don't have sports, um, we don't have large gatherings, we can't go out to eat and do those kind of things that we used to do for fun. Um, so as parents, I think we're all just trying to figure out the best ways that we can lead our families through such an uncertain time. That's right. So let's let's go ahead and get it started. So yeah. we're going to bring in Nick and Kathy. Come on in, guys. Yes. Hey, guys. Hey, hey guys. Hey. Nick, Kathy. <laughs> hey, welcome. We're so thankful hey, you guys are here. Hey. Are y'all still all just a little bit blown away that this works? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I'm so, really cool. Yeah. I love it. It's really it's, yeah. I'm so glad we can still connect through this kind of yeah. method. It's awesome. So um, welcome, guys. We're so glad that you're here and that you're talking with us today. I was hoping that we could start out um, just talking about what it's been like for you personally, for you and your families. How has this last three weeks looked for you guys? Yeah, the last few weeks, um, it's been a lot of um, creating news um, and, you know, new things and new practices and new rhythms for our family. Um, you know, we came into this with, uh, my husband has cancer, and so there's a lot of chemo visits and doctor's visits, and um, so just learning how to maneuver through that. I think the first few weeks, there was a lot of survival mode and high energy, and, um, you know, and then, and then this past week, learning that this is going to go on for an extended period of time 
trying to develop um, some structure in our home and, and what our days are going to look like and um, how we do maneuver through, um, you know, someone with a compromised immune system and having a teenager at home and school and work and all that. And um, so, yeah, it's been, um, it's been new, it's been interesting, um, but we're getting into to a new time and a new rhythm and um, some new structure. So that's been good. Yeah, yeah. good. Nick, how yeah. about you? How's it been for your yeah. family? You know, um, we have, we've always been a homeschool family. And so I think the biggest change in the rhythm for us is that I'm home more. Um, and so I'm upsetting the established routine that they had throughout the week, um, just because I'm working from home now. Um, and Susan has kind of let me know that I need to kind of stay in my quarters to not be a distraction because <laughs> they've got tasks and things that they need to get done. I think the biggest thing for us, um, obviously I'm a pastor. And so I love the gatherings and the rooms full of people um, and, you know, I'm an extrovert. And so the interactions, this season has helped us even more further identify the personality types of our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, cause our middle child is, uh, she's a strong extrovert, uh, eat more than me. And, uh, and so she's missing that, that fuel that she gets from being around friends and being around peers. And the way we accomplish that in the homeschool world is that she's a part of a couple of different tutorials throughout the week. And then our kids are super involved in church as you guys know. And so they're, yeah. they're always around those folks. And, um, while this kind of setting the zoom and Instagram live and the Facebook feeds, all those have. Uh, their small groups have been incredible. The student ministry has been great and they've been able to participate in a lot. We're noticing what her tank looks like and how it mm. depletes because she's not around all those other people. Um, and it's different for her than the other two kids. And so it's just a, it's really an exercise in understanding their personalities a little better because of this situation that we're in. Um, as a family, we're navigating it. And like Kathy said, we're establishing and learning new rhythms um, and really new boundaries. Um, and we say all the time as parents that, you know, boundaries don't limit our freedom, they protect it. And we think that's a good thing. Right. Um, but this was a really unforeseen season uh, of kind of limiting yourself and learning what it means to follow different sets of guidelines and safe practices. And so um, we're helping them learn not only the what to do now, but also the why we're doing it, which is one of the things we're leaning into. Yeah. Yeah. I think as parents, we're processing a lot right now. And something mm -hmm. that's um, important for that is figuring out how our kids are processing what's going on. We know that um, the news we keep getting is, it's really, it's changing daily, daily, weekly. We don't mm -hmm. know how long this is going to be going on. So um, thinking about that, how do we walk through that with our kids? How do we help them process um, what's going on in our world right now? You know, everything that I'm everything that I think as, you know, both a pastor and a parent and a learner in this circumstance is that you've got to listen to your kids and, and let them kind of direct part of the conversation yeah. um, based on the questions that they're asking or the information that they're gleaning. And so part of that is just kind of understanding where they are, what have they heard, what questions do they have, um, what do they want to know about this? Because that's going to vary at every age and stage of development. And honestly, almost how much exposure they have out there in the world too. Like, where are they getting this news from? That's gonna color some of the things that you have conversations about. Um, with our middle schoolers, um, the two girls, we did have a conversation really early on about this whole flattening the curve and that that's what all of this was an exercise to accomplish. 
Um, and I think that was, I think that was pretty beneficial for them to kind of understand the purpose behind some of the social distancings and the yeah. new restrictions that we were leaning into. Yeah, that's good. I think, you know, we need to, um, you know, like Nick said, um, to be cautious of the amount of exposure that our children have, the amount of exposure that we have too, um, and our kids, depending on their age, depending on um, their personalities, depending on the way that they process things, um, they may not be able to um, take in, to consume as much information as we as parents are. And um, so, you know, filtering things, um, it's obviously happening. You know, we, they, they know that something is happening. And so we do want to have those conversations with them, but we also don't want to expose them to information that they're just not ready to take in or they don't need to take in at this point. Yeah, yeah we can't, it's one of the things we talked to Susan and I early on about how do we minimize some of this um, and how do we make this not as big a deal as it obviously is. Um, particularly with world news and on the beginning of this you know we're learning about china we're learning about italy and then we're learning about new restrictions in the u.s and recommendations and yeah. obviously things that are happening in new york city so how do we minimize this well in some ways you can't um, because never in their life have we told our kids no one can go to school you know schools yeah. are closed public schools no one can go to the grocery store you know we're not taking our kids along to the supermarket anymore uh, whereas that was a family thing before and so one of the things that we we're kind of learning is you can't minimize it completely. It's not okay to say to them, Oh, this is no big deal. It's going to go away. Everything's fine. Um, because then all of a sudden you become not a real reliable source for information. They know that something's up. Um, but you want to kind of steer in the right direction. Um, how much information they take, like Kathy said, and, and where it comes from. And then ultimately use this as a stepping stone to say, Hey, God's in control and he's got this and we're going to do our part. Um, yeah. But we're also going to trust him with all of the results. So, yeah, that's good. And, and Nick, you've spent some time, I guess, uh, drawing out some things about the <laughs> yeah. curve, which is which is so helpful because um, a lot of our kids don't understand what's going on. And and so, help. Maybe you could walk us through kind of what you've done and how you've explained to your kids and um, and what would be helpful. Yeah. Okay. So I did bring a little bit of a show and tell, if that's okay. <laughs> are you guys good with that? We love yeah. show and tell. Okay. Y'all are going to let me try the technology and see how this <laughs> works. Um, and so, hey, can you guys see that? Yes. Yes. Mm. Love it. Okay. So here we go. This is basically a fun PowerPoint that I use just to put in my own hand drawings. And so you're going to see the nice typed out font and it's immediately going to go to, oh, something that I drew. Um, part of the way that I explain this to my kids is I was looking for an illustration to say, how can I compare this to something else that they might be familiar with? And uh, as silly as it sounds, I went with training a puppy um, <laughs> because that's flattening a whole different kind of curve. Um, this is Sunny, our golden doodle. When we first got her, she's now five years old and perfect in every way. Um, but uh, let's, let's go to the curve. So this is what everybody's seen. And there's been all these technical drawings and all these scientific pictures of what this looks like. Um, on one axis, you've got this daily number of people that are affected. And what everyone tells us, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I barely understand any of this, but what everyone says is that there are going to be a lot of people who get this. Um, but this axis is the daily number of people. And you can see in this drawing that it's climbing very fast every single day. Um, and the bottom axis, of course, is the length of time. And so very, very quickly, a lot of people are getting this. 
everybody has seen this curve. And if you have older kids, they've definitely noticed something like this too. And we've been talking a lot about these precautions that we take to flatten the curve. Um, the reason that we wanna flatten the curve, what we understand is that there is a line, there is a bandwidth, there's an ability of hospitals and doctors and healthcare professionals to handle the influx of people. Um, and as that number climbs really rapidly because it's a contagious virus, um, it goes well beyond the doctors and the hospital's ability to handle it all. Um, and that doesn't even factor in all the people that they're caring for that don't have the virus and all of the other diseases and illnesses and good things too, like uh, moms go into the hospital to have babies. You know, that's doctors taking care of good, good things too, and we are exceeding their bandwidth. So without social distancing, without this prevention, um, what we see is that that number just continues to go really, really fast as people contract this virus. So the next one is flattening the curve. What if over time we could flatten it to the point where we never go above the ability of doctors and hospitals to handle people? It looks like everything will go a lot longer and probably the same number of people will contract the virus, but they don't contract it so fast. That means what we explained to our kids is that the first people who get it have a chance to get well before the next people get it and before mm -hmm. the next people get it. And we've been explaining to the girls, you know, everything that we understand from the CDC and, you know, World Health Organization and anything else that you read, we've also been explaining in the same concept that for most people, this is a really bad cold or just like getting um, a seasonal flu. Um, what we have um, also explained to them is that it could be really bad for people who have a compromised health system. Um, and so for people that are older, um, like for elderly grandparents and great grandparents, um, but then also people who already have an underlying condition like their little brother does. And so we've been able to explain that to them in the context of mm. somebody who already has something else. If they were to get the virus, it would be way worse. So the idea of flattening the curve is keeping that curve really low by practicing good social distancing, washing our hands, um, and making sure that we are safer at home. Um, the puppy illustration came in, and, and people may not need this. Um, we've got the daily number of messes that a new puppy makes. Um, and this is just bringing a new puppy into your home, and they are going to make messes. You know, people are going to get this virus. Your puppy is going to make messes. Um, but those messes can be every single day, all day, a lot of messes all at once if you don't engage in proper care. Um, and the next illustration shows that. We wanna flatten the curve through proper care. You gotta take your puppy outside. Uh, you gotta make sure that they get a lot of energy out. You've gotta take them on walks. You've gotta put down paper and train them. You've gotta put down some barriers and some gates in the house to make sure that the puppy doesn't go places it's not supposed to go. And all of this is gonna keep that curve of puppy messes below the line of mom and dad getting so mad that they get rid of the puppy. You know, that's the goal. <laughs> if the puppy makes too many messes all at once, mom and dad are gonna second think it and they're gonna say, wait a minute, we have got to reconsider. We need to get rid of the yeah. dog. Um, but you wanna keep that curve really low. And so the puppy's gonna continue to make messes over time until it learns. But if you can keep those messes at bay and you can take care of the puppy with really good practices, Maybe the messes won't be so bad that mom and dad get mad and want to get rid of the puppy. Maybe a terrible illustration, but certainly no, something I think. Here's that what I love about it. It's, from. 
Yeah, and our, our, our kids need to understand it. We have to explain yeah. it to them. And I love that you added visuals. I think visuals are really important mm-hmm. for kids to learn. Um, kids are being cooped up. They're saying, hey, stay away from people, but, yeah. but what's the explanation? And we're doing it to help others. You know, our family may be fine, right? We're fine, but we're doing it to help, help other people um, as well. So, which is, which is awesome. Thank you, Nick, for walking us through that. And so uh, the, the second, the, the next thing is how important um, is family rhythm as we go through the season? We know that routines and rhythms are changing um, almost probably daily for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but how do we establish, how important is establishing this routine and this rhythm in the life of our family? Kathy, you want to go first? Um, it is incredibly important. Um, if you think in the midst of um, this time that the days are, they can, they can have a tendency to run together. Um, we can be um, not productive throughout our day if we don't have structured times. Um, at, the, at the end of this or at the, on the other side of this, you know, what if we come out of it um, spiritually and physically and mentally better off than than we are right now and and the way that we do that is by adding structure to our day adding things like um you know getting up in the morning and taking a shower getting ready like we did when we were go to school or we were go to work and having that um family time we have some extra family time which is fantastic like breakfast and conversations about what we're studying in the word and then getting started on our day whether it be working or schooling, homeschooling, you know, are we online schooling and, and just having structure throughout the day and throughout the week and, um, and then having weekends be weekends. So they look like weekends, you know, I mean, how many of us have said like, what day is it anymore? You know, I don't even know what day it is and keeping things like, um, we have so many opportunities for, for kids to be a part of um, student activities and children's activities and preschool activities with church and felt that time of fellowship mm-hmm. and Bible study and, and keeping that rhythm in our, in our lives. And um, it's just, it's incredibly important. We want to be productive and we want to be active um, so that we're not just, you know, our brains aren't just mush by the, by yeah. the end of Kathy Simon walked into the kitchen the other day at our house and he said, hey, Alexa, what day is it? (laughs) That is a picture of where we are in society right now, for sure. Um, As we've thought about rhythms, um, I mean, we think those are so important in every aspect of life. One of the questions that I've been asking and one of the things, Susan, I've been processing is what part of our rhythm before do we really miss and we want to go back to and we want to make sure is incorporated into the right now? Um, so whatever part of our rhythm before that was really important, you know, we're working very hard to establish that and keep it right now. But it's also caused us to look back and say, okay, what part of our rhythm before were really unnecessary? Um, right. Things that we were doing that we probably just didn't need to be doing, things that were cluttering up our schedules and our lives. And so as much as this is a difficult situation, it's also an opportunity to kind of take inventory of what matters. And so um, what parts of our rhythm are kind of useless and we don't necessarily need them. They were just kind of unnecessarily there. Um, And they definitely made us busier and probably more stressed out and more like frenetic as a family. Um, But then also what are the new rhythms that we can establish that 
are going to sustain us in this moment. And, and that's okay. There will be some rhythms that we all establish that sustain us for the now. I think of all the families that are kind of into this forced homeschooling situation. And I want to say to those folks, this is not normal homeschooling. Don't base your opinions of that on this, you know, but in the same token, you know, you're going to go back to a different type of education, whether it's public or private school or some other kind of education for your kids. But what are the rhythms that you have to establish now to sustain that? But then also, what are the rhythms that you establish now as a family that you want to take when we go back to normal? Um, I said in a devotional last week, this idea, this thought that God gave me, it's, you know, I, I had been already saying, we were a week into this, and I was already complaining, saying, I can't wait for things to return to normal. Um, and God sat me down for a second. And I think what he was saying was, you don't want things to go back to normal. You want them to go to new. You know, I can do a new thing through this. And so I think there will be some things that we as a family establish in this season that we want to carry over. Um, there will be some, some things that we establish that just sustain us for today yeah. and tomorrow and for as long as this lasts. But there will be some things I think we want to keep. And so looking for those is important. Yeah, and there, there needs to be some things that we keep. And there needs to be some things that we get rid of, like, yeah. like you said. And routine for me is really good for my mental health. Like mm -hmm. uh, I, it helps me cope with change to, to form healthy habits, to reduce stress levels, I think is really important. I know it's, it's true in my own life. If, if I don't have plans, habits, schedule, I tend to fill my time with things that don't help me grow. Mm -hmm. It's just, it just happens. You know, I tend to be more lazy. I tend to, you know, fill my, uh, you guys were saying, just fill my brain, my mind with things that probably aren't helpful for me. Um, I love the idea of, of planning things to look forward to and looking forward to what can you plan throughout your week? What, and, and I love the idea, Kathy, of making weekends weekends, you oh, know, yeah. your, your, your week is going to be crazy, but let's make the weekends weekends and have fun, go for a hike. A lot of people are doing that right now. Mm -hmm. I've been on more hikes than in the past three weeks than, than the whole last year, you know? So, which has been really good. Uh, so, Kathy, this is to you. How do we process and address fear and uncertainty in this in this day and age? You know, there there are so many uncertainties right now. There there are so many unknowns, and so I think that a little bit of the anxiety or uncertainty or worry or even grief over the loss of you think about our kids and and all the things that they're grieving right now their social interactions and their sports and all those things so that's a natural part of this all that's going on right now and i think what what we need to look for in our kids and in ourselves too are where are we getting stuck and where are we holding on to the fears and the anxieties have they have they become more of a an ongoing loop um in in our minds how are they are they are they taking our thoughts over um and that's when we have to have to look at this and think okay um, I've, I'm in a place now where I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with fear. And, um, you know, as parents, we need to be cautious to not put those things onto our children. Our children are very, yeah. very perceptive. And so we, as parents, we need to have a different outlet um, for our anxieties and our fears, whether that be, you know, our, our spouse or another family member or a friend or a counselor or a church leader, whatever that looks like. But we just need to be cautious not to put those, those onto our kids. And when we start to see these things in our children, um, 
conversations with them, sitting down and talking to them and being very sensitive and being very patient with them because there's a lot of unknowns for them. And we do have more information than they, they have. So they can be, their minds can be spiraling into the unknowns and, and all the things that, that they don't know about. And they can be making up, making up scenarios of what mm -hmm. this looks like and, and have fears. And, and they may, they may be fears that, are not even things that are that are true and factual and so we have a chance to speak into those things but but there could be fears about things that when, you know when we do have fears and we do have anxieties it's our desire to to have control over something and right now we have been stripped away from everything that we could possibly have yeah. control over um and so one thing that we can do one of the most important things that we do is talk to them about who god is and the attributes of god and that yes we are out of control but the beauty in that is we can draw near to the lord and god is in control and god is good and he's loving yeah. He has a purpose and a plan for this time. And we can we can talk to them about what are things that give them things that they can actively do. Like we can wash our hands and we can practice social distancing. And there are things that we have responsibility for. There are things that we can do, but all those other things we have to entrust to the Lord. And so we're teaching them how do we yield these things? How do we entrust them? to the Lord. And, and that, that means that we are teaching them to take their thoughts captive. We are um, mm. learning new scripture passages and we're, we're memorizing those things and we're meditating on them. And um, maybe we're making lists of things that we're worried about, that we're anxious about. And then we're matching those with what God's truths are and, mm. and the attributes of God and who God is. And so when they come to those fears and those fears pop up in their mind, we're teaching them how to replace those fears with the truths of, of the Lord. And um, I think that's extremely, extremely important. Um, we can pray with them as they entrust those things to the Lord. We can pray for them. Um, you know, a, another thing that we can do is we can um, ha help them be creative in things that they can yeah. do when they are anxious. You know, maybe that's reading a book or, you know, listening to worship music or journaling or taking a walk or something that kind of can refocus them um, into just a different scenario. Um, but, I, you know, one thing that Pastor Jeff said one time, and it's really stuck with me, and um, I can't tell you how many times I bring it up in counseling, and that's that the antidote for, um, for fear and anxiety is gratitude and giving. And that's so um, replacing those thoughts with um, not so much looking inward, but how can we look outward and how can we love God and love others in the midst of this process? But knowing that um, many people struggle with this and, um, but scripture speaks into it. We can love our children. We can pray for them and we can find our children the help, other resources, you know, when, when this seems to be something that's persistent or ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I love those we can phrases. We do those yeah. sometimes at home. We can do this. We can do this. It helps my kids a lot, I know. Um, and talking about kiddos, I think um, some are some are adjusting okay and maybe just enjoying more time at home. But I know that there's some some kids um, throughout all of our age groups that are that are struggling more with this and um, and might not even be able to really. Um, say what they're feeling. Um, and so are there behaviors or signs that we should be looking for as parents in our kiddos when we think that they might 
um, be going through a, this a little bit harder than some other kids might be? What should we be looking for, Kathy? Yeah, absolutely. And as parents, we should know our kids better than anyone else. Yeah. And so you can kind of look things that are abnormal for them. Um, and all kids are different. And so you may have a house full of kids and they may, you may have, you know, multiple that are struggling with fear and anxiety, but it may present very, very differently. And mm -hmm. so you want to look for things that are outside of the norm for them. Um, and things could be, um, defiant behavior that's just not it's just not their yeah. normal it could be changes in sleep mm -hmm. patterns or eating patterns or excessive crying or isolation um extra anger irritation um or sadness you know so you really you're looking for is this something that is or is this like a are we having an initial reaction to the uncertainty and what's going on? Or are we seeing things that are being prolonged um, and we're not, we're getting stuck here. Okay. And, and, and we get stuck here, then we know we've got to do something. We need to do something, whether that's the things that we just talked about just a second ago, or it's seeking outside resources. We hope that you enjoyed part one of our two-part podcast on parenting through COVID-19. In part two, you will hear a conversation about what are other ways to be intentional with our kids in this season with spiritual growth, with family fun, with other activities, and much, much more. You'll also um, hear a bit about how to help our families focus on setting the right priorities, one that elevates gratitude, helps us live on mission, and points us to Jesus. Priorities that we believe will last way beyond COVID-19. Thank you for listening and watching. We'll see you in part two.